Red sky in the morning. Sailor take warning. Is that bull crap? This is way over our heads. It's a weather and climate podcast. I'm Jim Dubois. Kenny Blumenfeld's a climatologist. Kenny, how you doing? It feels like we're breaking out of a shell there, Jim. I like it. Yep. I, we're I taking like a it. walk on yeah, the wild yeah. side. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you're going after some old weather proverbs. Yeah, we promised that in the last episode that we would uh, tackle some of those and see whether there's maybe a little shred of truth to a few yeah, of them at so. least. So yeah. let, let's start with that one, Kenny. Red sky in the morning, sailor take warning. Red sky at night, sailor's delight. Well, this is actually probably not crap. Okay. (laughs) So, you know, basically, for there to be a red sky in the morning, so think about the sun's coming up in the east, right? And usually to see uh, red in the sky, you've got to be between the sun and the air, some area of precipitation and that's going to kind of with the, the really low angle of the sunrise you're going to have once all the refraction and scattering is done the bending of yeah the light, you're yes. going to see kind of oranges and reds now this has also been turned into rainbow in the morning sailors take warning or rainbow in the morning farmers take warning and it's the same thing if you are between the sun and precipitation, you are going to see probably a rainbow at that with that sun angle and probably a red sky. In the morning, if you are between the sun and the rain, it is to your west. Jim, what direction do most rain and thunderstorm complexes come from in our region? Pretty much from the west. Most of the time. I mean, some variation of that, sure, they drop in from the south, they uh, drop in from the north, but they are... Uh, generally coming out of the west so if you see a red sky in the morning it tends to be uh not so great you're gonna have some precipitation usually in the next few hours now if you see that at night that means that the clouds are off to your east generally and so much much more conducive to clearing weather and kind of fair conditions so as a basic rule of thumb you can't bank on it you can't bank on any of these but that one red sky at night sailors delight Red sky in the morning, sailors take warning. Pretty good. Okay. Not bullcrap. Excellent, excellent. What about when high clouds and low clouds do not march together, prepare for a blow and a change in weather? Oh, wow. I, you know what, Jim? I had never even heard that one, but we're going to do this on the fly. All right, sounds good. <laughs> so when high clouds and low clouds do not march together, so they're not traveling in the same direction. Well, this, this is a sign that there is wind shear in the atmosphere. Wind shear is when you have, you know, it kind of means two different things. Uh, but what we're talking about here is a change in wind direction with height. So you might have low clouds blowing from south to north, but then the higher clouds streaming over it, moving from west to east or southwest to northeast, or in extreme situations, northwest to southeast, where there are almost opposing each other, the low level winds and the high level winds almost opposing each other. This again is generally a sign that there is wind shear in the atmosphere, which is usually in going to be in the vicinity of a low pressure system. So from all the conversations that we've had, Jim, what do, what do low pressure systems generally entail? Oh, they bring precipitation and all kinds of bad weather, potentially. Yeah, generally, they generally bring more clouds, sometimes precipitation. 
that again sounds reasonable. I can think of plenty of exceptions. Uh, sometimes you'll see low clouds that are really more like a fog kind of burning off and uh, scooting out in one direction and then high clouds streaming in coming in from another direction and that's often as uh, sort of morning thunderstorms are clearing out and they don't necessarily foretell any more storms at that point. It's kind of nice weather moving in but by and large yeah it sounds reasonable. Okay. Not bull crap. That's well, good. Thanks for right. teaching me that. I'd all never right. heard that yes. one. Well, we're not going to wax poetic with this one, but um, what do you say when you hear someone say, I can feel something in my bones related to the weather? That, like, I just have this feeling that something is coming. Mm. I feel it in my bones. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> I know a lot of people who, whenever someone's pregnant, they say, I can tell what the baby's going to be before they tell me. And they're, you know, they're right a little more than half the time. And they only remember the times that they're right. Uh, people's bones, ha you know what? I don't have the severe arthritis and the other conditions that, uh, where people really do feel things in their bones, but I get a lot of questions about this. And I have to say the body's probably a, a, not necessarily a good predictor of the weather, but uh, a, a good sort of photographer of it in any case. It, it can definitely tell you that something is going on, you know. And with the weather, not all changes lead to precipitation. Sometimes people's bones hurt because the pressure is high or it's low or it just changed quickly and I guess they're, they're building up fluid and then the fluid's getting released. I don't have the medical background to say exactly what's happening in someone's body, um, but one thing I have noted as people have asked me questions about the weather is, if your body is sensitive to the weather, it's going to be sensitive to things well beyond precipitation. It's, it's noticing temperature changes, pressure changes, wind shifts, things that don't always come with precipitation. So. I think a lot of times people can feel certain changes in their bones, but I think they also can't necessarily define what it is. And that might be why I get so many, we get so many questions. Climatologists and meteorologists get a lot of these types of questions. What does it mean when I have this ache or this ache? Or it seems that this happens, you know, I feel this before a snowstorm or before it gets really cold. Why is that? Uh, and again, we can't answer all of it, but I think that the body, its joints, its fluids, uh, certainly all very sensitive to changes in the weather and changes in air density, which is usually what weather changes are resulting from. And if the air changes density, then the, the thing that's pressing down on us is sort of changing its, its uh, perceived force on us. So that would be noticeable if you had a really sensitive body. Well, Kenny, I've thrown out a few weather proverbs here. What do you have? What are some of the proverbs that you have encountered over time? You know, because because I'm a boring professional climate guy. Who, who discounts what, those kind of things, yes. It's just we kind of, you know, people often ask, what's your favorite weather app? And I'm like, well, I don't know, my, my colleague Pete. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what's a really neat one that I learned? Uh back in the schooling days is, uh, I'm gonna butcher the name because it's a Dutch name, but it's it's the Bees Ballot Law, oh. uh, or Bees Below. 
It's B-U-Y-S hyphen B-A-L-L-O-T. And uh, this is a really interesting one. It has to do with understanding uh, the basics of circulation in the atmosphere in the Northern Hemisphere. But it goes like this. Wherever you are in the Northern Hemisphere, if the wind is to your back, in other words, if you can feel the wind pushing on your back, then to your left is a low pressure system and to your right is a high pressure system. And this works no matter what direction you're facing. So let's just walk through it. Okay. If you are facing north, then your back is facing south. If the wind is at your back, that means the wind is blowing from the south. Now, if in the northern hemisphere, if the wind is blowing from the south, it's either returning on the back or west side of a high pressure system, which would be off to your east, right. or it's arriving on the front side of a low pressure system, which would be advancing in from your west. Uh, so this actually works out. If ah. you are facing south and the wind is at your back, that means the wind is blowing from the north. And you are, so you're facing south, to your left or east would be a low pressure system, and it's the same thing when the wind blows from the north. Remember, these are rotating weather systems. The air uh, is circulating around these rotating weather systems, and on, around low pressure, on the west side of low pressure, the wind comes in from the north. And on the front side of high pressure, the wind comes in from the north. So you can actually, this actually works really well. Ah, okay. So you can, you can add a layer of complexity to this. If you happen to know the direction you are facing, you can make a general weather forecast. If you're facing north and the wind is to your back, expect things to become cloudier or stormier or rainier over the next one to three days because you've got a low pressure system coming in from the west. If the wind is to your back but you're facing south, well, you could expect no matter how miserable the weather is right now, you would generally expect a clearing trend. You would generally expect a, uh, uh, a pleasanting right. of the weather as high pressure moves in from the west. So this actually works out. Uh, again, I apologize for the name, B-U-Y-S hyphen B-A-L-L-O-T. It's a meteorological law. It actually conforms to the laws of uh, air motion in the hemisphere. So. Uh, if you learn the Coriolis effect and the centripetal force and the uh, gradient wind and the geostrophic wind, and these are all just big terms that we're not going to define right now, but these are kind of fundamentals of air motion. And that law that I just described is a on-the-ground way for a person in the woods to sort of work through without thinking about any of the mathematics. They can work through the balance of all of those forces and figure out what the weather is like or going to be like. Interesting. So that's a good one. It's not something, uh, you know, when I've shared it with people who work outside, farmers and foresters, they kind of knew it already, but didn't know there was a name for it. So in that way, it's kind of a, probably a well-known lore among people who live and work outside and spend a lot of time outside, but not, um, but maybe they didn't know it formally. So that's what I've got. Okay, good. Well, I'm going to go back to a couple more here. Okay. And these have to do with optical phenomena. Oh, gosh. So, for example, I have heard it said that if a rainbow appears, 
That's a sign that the rain, the storm is over and things are clearing up. Not necessarily, Nonsense. correct? Nonsense. Nonsense. Okay. All right. Depends on what time of day it is. Oh, okay. Okay, so if in the afternoon, so there, you, you may have noticed this, there are only certain times you get to see a rainbow. You will not see rainbows generally in the middle of the day. You generally will not see rainbows, uh, it, 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 you know, high noon, high summer. Not going to see them. You will see them generally in the evenings and in the morning. Sun at a lower angle. Sun has to be at a low angle. You'll also see them, you know, in warmer climates if where there's more rain during the... Uh, well, you can see them from snow too, but you can see them in warmer climates uh, kind of all times a year, earlier in the day, uh, and you can see them, you know, they're kind of most common here in reaction to when it rains, so that's our kind of our growing season. But in theory, you could see a snow rainbow. Okay, and I've never seen one of those. They yeah, must be I relatively have, rare. I have seen them, but the main reason you don't see them is because it requires the sun to be shining. Right, and at a higher or a lower angle. Yeah, and right, at a low right, angle. Right, right. So you've got to you've got to have a snow shower, the way that we get rain showers. And our snow just generally doesn't behave that way. It tends to be these large masses of steady precipitation embedded within an even larger mass of just clouds. And so the chances of seeing snow bows is, is snow lower. Bows, like but they're actually quite spectacular. They wow. do this because it's ice crystals. Sure. So the spectromatic uh, display is phenomenal with Interesting. those. Interesting. Uh, and they also tend to present the uh, image closer to you. Okay. You can also see ice crystal, I'm not sure what you would call it, but the, when the sun catches um, suspended ice crystals that aren't falling necessarily, they're just floating around in the air, you also get uh, these sort of mini rainbows. In fact, that's when if you see sun dogs, uh, that's those little false suns that you'll see right. basically straight west and, or straight right and straight left of the sun, especially at relatively low angles. Um, and usually in cold conditions, that's the ice crystals kind of doing the same thing. But to your point, uh, if you see a rainbow in the morning, the rain is heading towards you because there's only, so the thing that, you know, I'm sure there are bad artists who've probably drawn impossible rainbows or painted impossible rainbows. But in general, the way rainbows work is uh, you'll only see them in, in roughly one direction, depending on time of the day. So in the evening, you'll only see them east-ish. And in the, and in the morning, you'll only see them west-ish. So, uh, so if you're seeing a rainbow to your west, it absolutely could rain. Okay. So in that case, yeah, sure, the rain's moving out of somewhere, but it's headed towards <laughs> you. <laughs> right. With the only saving grace being that morning precipitation is, you know, often on, it's on the wane at that point. But... Um, if you see a rainbow in the morning, there's probably a storm within 20, 30 miles. Of okay. You. Well, and we did uh, debunk rodents and their weather forecasting ability in our last episode, so I don't think we have to revisit that necessarily. They don't know any. I mean, this isn't even lore. <laughs> the dang thing doesn't, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't even, we don't even know if it sees its shadow. Right, the groundhog right. <laughs> has no reaction to the thing that we're all watching. Does it see its shadow? It doesn't care. Yeah. It does the same thing whether it sees its shadow or not. We make a big deal out of it, so we totally made that one up, and obviously it performs terribly. Yes, yes. 
Well, let's move on to some more current uh, sure. phenomena here. Yeah. We'll get away from the weather lore. So we had a snap of relatively cold weather. Yeah, we did uh, Over it. the past several days. Sure uh, now, was that all that unusual for this time of the year? It, it's not unusual. I'd say one of the stranger things about it was that we just hadn't been very cold yet this winter. And usually you lay down your coldest days sometime in January. Just the way you, you lay down your hottest days in July. Typically. Now, not always. So what was unusual is a lot of places had their coldest mornings, you know, in the middle of February, as opposed to in mid to late January when you'd normally have it. So that was unusual. The depth of the cold, we were nowhere near record territory. Uh, not even close. I mean, this is still the time of year where you go deep enough into history and towns have been 45, 50 below. Uh, Twin Cities has been in the upper 20s below. So hitting negative 12 as we did in the Twin Cities, not a big deal. Uh, but the wind chills were something. We did have widespread wind chills just outside of the metro. Basically, everywhere that wasn't the Twin Cities had negative 40 degree Fahrenheit wind chills. So it was a definitely pretty bitey morning out there. Thursday morning was, you know, it was... Uh, not to be messed with. You could hurt yourself going out right. there. So it wasn't anything like what we had last year or the, the big polar vortex of 2013-14, but it was, it was, you know, it got our attention. Well, here we are now in mid-February, pushing toward late February, right. although it's a leap year, so we have one yeah, additional day. day. Exactly. Um, Kenny, are we getting to the point now where our really cold weather is behind us. Is that a fairly yeah. safe thing to say? Yeah, we'll still get cold. And, you know, we of course could be cold for this time of year. But the chances of, you know, in southern Minnesota, negative 20s and negative 30s is almost gone at this point. Um, and in northern Minnesota, you know, you got to ratchet that down a bit. The chance of negative 40s will probably hang in there for another week or so. Once you get into March, those extremes of cold become really rare. So, yeah, it all is, you know, we're adding, what, three minutes a day of daylight right now. So That's what I'm really noticing, yeah. Kenny. I am noticing that solar energy. It just feels warmer on your skin. Yeah, even on the cold day. Um, yeah, and, you know, there were a few days in the last week where the temperature was below freezing, but the sun was out and we were melting snow. Oh, it's incredible. I was looking yeah. at our roof and I had raked a lot of it and I was amazed there was probably about half an inch left and it was gone even on the coldest yeah. day because of that powerful sun. Yeah, the south facing uh, slopes are getting a decent amount of melting going on. The, the northern side of your roof is still probably pretty thick, especially if you live along the Minnesota River or up in northern Minnesota where there's you know still two feet of snow on the ground. Well, talking about rivers is a nice segue to our next topic of discussion here. And we should mention, of course, that over the last few years, we've seen quite substantial snowfalls in March and even well into April. April. So yeah. um, what does the flood potential look like at this point? Well, so the, the River Forecast Center, which is basically through the National Weather Service. It's a little different from their weather forecast uh, office. But uh, the River Forecast Center released, along with all the other river forecast centers in the country, kind of released their consolidated flood outlook. And it was really an update. Basically, 
we have a lot of moisture in the ground, very little soil frost. So that kind of works to our favor uh, in that, you know, if you've got a really deep frost, then any rain that falls um, or as the snow is melting and as winter is ending just runs right off and goes into the river. The problem we have this year is even though we don't have deep frost, the soil is completely saturated or mostly saturated, so it's pretty wet, so there still isn't anywhere for new precipitation to go. But soil moisture is high, the rivers are high, and we have, especially in northern Minnesota, we have a lot of snow on the ground. Uh, it's not quite like what we had last year, but there's more water content overall per inch of snow there's more water and so we're kind of in a similar situation we had an ideal melt last year where uh, we had some above freezing days but then at night it would freeze back up so that really metered the speed at which the snow melted and you know it looks like it's very likely we're going to see some river flooding again this year the question is how how severe is it and you're right Jim uh, snowy March or a snowy April would would kind of put us over the top. Right now, we're sort of in 50-50 territory, where we know we know it's going to flood, especially the parts of the Minnesota River are all but a lock for some flooding, but that really widespread severe flooding, similar to what we had last year or even worse, that's all contingent on getting more precipitation, which we have not been in a real stormy pattern. We've been a little bit wet, but nothing outlandish like we saw last year yet. Uh, so it's it's kind of contingent on us getting a lot of precipitation and then also having you know, a big, fast melt, which again, we didn't have that last year. So we know it's possible to have an ideal melt and maybe we'll do that again and have the, the flooding be kind of minimized relative to what's possible. We're recording this on Sunday, February 16th. So March is only a few weeks off yeah. and Oh, we normally that, don't. Yeah. yeah, we normally don't think about severe weather Ooh. until Severe Weather Awareness Week, which yeah. usually happens sometime in mid-April. But wasn't it just a couple, three years 2017, ago? March we had 6th. yes, we had tornadoes in Minnesota, so we could start talking about severe weather conceivably as early as the first week or so of March. You know what's interesting about the weather is it it never cares what's happened already. There's no such thing as the weather being due. There's no such thing as the weather seeking vengeance. It does not right. care what's happened. So you can throw the whole winter out. If you get the right conditions, you can get tornadoes in March again. It's, you know, we would say, well, it seems unlikely because we have not been getting extremely warm air. But yeah, we're watching a weather system that's still about you know, looks like late next weekend. Uh, so that would be, you know, by the final weekend of February, basically, where we could be looking at a more significant weather system. And if that, if we get on the warm side of that, then yeah, maybe there would be some thunderstorms. And in extreme scenarios, maybe some of those thunderstorms could be uh, intense or severe. Uh, we just don't know, but yeah, it's it's certainly plausible. The earliest tornadoes on record in Minnesota were March 6, 2017. We had, I believe it was three of them. Wow. Uh, one of them was north of the Twin Cities and then two kind of closer to Albert Lee. Okay, well, this is a perfect segue to the weather ahead. Yeah, what is happening? Yes. 
well, so it's been somewhat uneventful. The, as uh, on Monday, the, that would be February the, or is it the 19th? Uh, Monday no, uh, the 17th. 17th, yes. Monday the yes. 17th. President's Day. President's Day. There's going to be some snow in southeastern Minnesota, several inches, uh, you know, in the Rochester area, it could be, you know, five, six, seven inches. And in, uh, you know, Winona, Wabasha, over to about Albert Lee, possibly into Mankato. Up towards the Twin Cities, it's very iffy if we'll get any at all. We'd probably be in the southeastern half of the Twin Cities metro, and it'll be mostly forgettable. From, like a nuisance snowfall, For most of the state, but the southeastern kind of fifth, kind of that boot shape in uh, southeastern Minnesota could get several inches of snow, but that's about it. Then we go through the week without much. It's going to be cold. There are going to be some light bursts of precipitation. Um, and by cold, I mean below normal, but not like we had last week and, you know, just nothing memorable. Uh, temperatures, southern Minnesota in the single digits above or below zero at night. Maybe out in rural areas, you know, close to negative 10 a couple times. And then in northern Minnesota, that's more like negative 20s and maybe some negative 30s. Nothing really unusual, just a bit colder than normal. And But we also... Uh, in between these cold outbreaks, we've got, you know, more indications that we're going to get into the 30s. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see some thaw conditions once or twice over the next week, even while the week is generally dominated by cooler conditions. Okay. And then again, as we get into next weekend, so the 23rd-ish or so, maybe a little beyond there, we are watching a larger storm system. It's way too far out to know okay. anything about it, including whether it's even going to come to Minnesota at all but it's on some of the models it's been showing some signs of making rain and snow and sleet so we'll have to keep an eye on that and we can talk about that the next time next week it sounds good Kenny this is way over our heads it's a weather and climate podcast as usual we're at the town hall lanes in south Minneapolis I'm Jim Dubois Kenny Blumenfeld's a climatologist Kenny have a great week hey you too thanks a lot Jim it's fun talking about Laura tonight